You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. You're a witcher, Henry. Oh, God. <laughs> Is that your skilly accent? Because that's the closest I can give you on that? Well, that's a good warm-up, Justin. <laughs> Let's start this review for real now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, because that's the intro, and now we're into the actual review. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought that with, like, you know, when they said, like, oh, you're a witcher kind of thing. I'm just like, and his name is Henry. So, Harry, Henry, we are a witcher. Oh, God. I, I'm putting together your logic here. It is not helping you. I'm sorry. And, he, and he's British, <laughs> and he's brunette, so there's a lot of things in common, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and he, <laughs> he just doesn't have a Hagrid. In I was going to say, and he's also a massive nerd because if you know anything about the production of this show, it was pretty much Henry Cavill kept said, "You're making a Witcher show. C- can I be in it?" And they said, "Well, Henry, we, you know, we don't know if we want you in this." And then we kept bothering them for months, and they finally said, "Fuck, fine, we'll put you in the Witcher." God damn it! Henry Seriously, Cavill cannot he, stay, like, like, he cannot he stop playing death. video games to save his life. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, he petitioned them. Like, apparently, from what I look at the trivia, he even started sword training to get ready for the role even before he got cast in the part. Yeah, like, like, that's how committed he, he was to getting this He loves the books. Part. He loves the games. And he's like, please, any part of it, if I can be Geralt, it'd be in the world to be. And basically, like, they auditioned him. They said, you're fine. We're not sure yet. And then, like, they got the girl who's playing Siri. And they said, okay, cool. You can do a screen test with Henry. Henry, you do a screen test with her. And, like... Fuck, this works. Fine, fine. I don't blame him because <laughs> hey. if he had not paused that game of his, he would have never been Superman and it would have saved him a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he wouldn't have gotten this part of you why he wasn't Superman at one point. But anyway, yeah, we're talking about this because we're talking about uh, we're talking about Netflix's The Witcher. Now, what's interesting here is that I'm sure all of us comes from a different background to how familiar with our, we are with Witcher as a series, because I played the video games and I just bought the first two books, but I've never actually read them. Now, Ben, though, on the other hand, you're a huge fan of the books, right? Yeah, so I, I had bought Witcher 3. I'd been meaning to play the series the whole time, and finally I was like, okay, fine, I'll play Witcher 3, and I bought another, just, I've marathoned that game like twice now, and I still have to finish the DLC, but I was like, okay, I really kind of want to see where this is from, and I start getting the audio books, and I just, yeah, drove straight through those, so it's like, uh, I was bothering the shit out of Justin the whole time going, oh, this, 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 this logic in this, in the book. And I'm like, shit, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy on this one. I'm the Marco on this review. Well, hey, that's that's good to be that guy because this one adheres much closer to the books than it does the video games. Because the video games are mostly just kind of a, from what I understand, they're an amalgam of plot points on the books, but it's kind of its own thing at the same time. I thought they, they were actually the books. Their own. They came out after the books. They did a lot their own. Uh, they're actually getting sued right now by the creator because he continually said, no, no, nobody wants a game of my of my books. You know, they're just mildly popular in Poland. Don't worry about it. And he's like, no, no, we'll give you like a percentage. No, just give me my money up front. And now he's suing them saying, you guys made millions of dollars off my property. It's like, yes, because you didn't want the money. You asshole. I would so. do the exact same thing. I would sue them for everything they're worth. Give me the fucking money. <laughs> yeah, even though it upped and his book a-hole. sales like tenfold and got him a TV series that's going to make millions of dollars, but he, yeah, he's suing them and evidently under Polish law, even with uh, you know provable uh, recordings from him saying, no, no, I don't want that. You guys just pay me up front. He can still sue. Good job, Poland. <sighs> well, and that a-hole is Andreas Sapkowski, who's the writer of this of the series. And 
you know, whatever you say about that, it seems like the people who are really involved in making this show is the creator here, whose name is Lauren Schmidt Hisrich. I think as you pronounce that. Like she's she's been all behind this. She's uh, she wrote most a bunch of the episodes. She's been producing this stuff. Like this is really her baby, yeah. e- even more so than the original writers kind of thing. But um, why don't we explain for people what The Witcher is about? Uh, I mean, I can explain it unless Ben, you want to go ahead with that. Sure, I'll go with it. Um, okay, go ahead. Uh, Witcher is a fantasy. I'd say even a high fantasy story. It's set in a uh, single continent. Um, very volatile and politically charged continent where basically wild monsters still exist. There's elves, gnomes, trolls, goblins, you know, tons of super ancient mythological beast type of things, and as well as witches and witchers. Witchers are uh, men only that were raised from childhood and mutated with potions and surgeries and challenges to be the ultimate monster killer where basically they're barely even human and treated as subhuman, even almost worse than the actual non-human species in the world. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, uh, yeah, basically where we start off here, uh, this is based on the first two books in the series, which are technically a series of short stories that um, uh, Sapkowski had submitted to a famous Polish magazine for fantasy. Um, We're pretty much, we're seeing some vignettes of Geralt the Witcher. We learn a little bit about uh, Ciri, who um, is his child of destiny, which we can get into a bit later more on that, as well as his um, most primary love interest in the series, Yennefer Wengerberg, who's a a powerful witch who we can define has a, both delusions of grandeur and of motherhood and kind of all comes together for a really interesting, almost blue collar look at fantasy as he's basically just like, I just want beer, sex and money. That's all I need, really. And not in that order. (laughs) Yeah, not always. (laughs) Well, that's the thing I kind of like about this show, because, I mean, most people here probably heard about the reviews going on with this show where it's getting weirdly. It's like being praised a lot by a lot of fans and some critics and then some critics just outright hate this show. And. I don't want to just call out that one EW review, I mean, Entertainment Weekly, but, you know, there's been some weird back and forth people like, oh, it's just a Game of Thrones knockoff. But I think that does a disservice calling it that because it's not trying to be Game of Thrones. In fact, it's one person made a good point saying, like, it's a much more straightforward story. And I think that works to its advantage because that way you get more focused on these three central characters with Geralt, Yennefer and Ciri. You know, like it doesn't waste time with a bunch of needless political stuff. And it's just like, no, no, no. These are self-contained, slightly connected stories through various points. And you just get really into the headspace and the lives of these people. Yeah, I mean, I would even say I don't quite get the Game of Thrones comparison because Game of Thrones from the beginning is immediately about politics and political intrigue. There's not that much in this season, even in the first few episodes. Like, there's almost nothing about the world and its politics. Uh, I mean, they, 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 al- they align a lot of stuff of politics with um, series storyline in the very beginning with the whole thing with Nilfgaard invading Sentra and the various things of Skilliga and all these other places. But it doesn't it's not the forefront of the story. Yes, that's fair. It's. I feel like they keep it very distant, um, and I feel like it's worth noting. Uh, and I want to say this early into the review here because it's the thing that's going to hold the most people. The first episode is solid, but it's not a indication of the rest of the series at all. Yeah, I would say I don't even think it's really all that solid. Like it's the thing is the Geralt story, the actual short story there is really good. My biggest problem is that not only is the series storyline a little weak and rushed, but when you see where the rest of the season goes and where pretty much because there's multiple timelines going on one after the other, they kind of meet up to a certain point. 
And it feels like if they had paced that episode better to the end of the season, it wouldn't have felt so like, okay, here's these people, here's these people, there's a big giant battle, and now on the run. And you're just kind of like, it really works. It's also a lot darker, like legitimately darker colored and palette, which works for some of the scenes, but even like Sintra should be brighter and more alive in that episode. And it's kind of clear this was probably a pilot episode, but they didn't have as much money. They were just trying to make a proof of concept because honestly, the next episode immediately starts with like gorgeous scenery, bright colors. And yeah, that's really weird. Like, the color palette changes immediately after that first episode. <laughs> I think, from my point of view, this was more... Uh, okay, I'm coming from the point of view that I have not played the video games and I have not read the book, so this is my first introduction with The Witcher. And for me, mm-hmm. this is like street-level fantasy, and I'm really into that right now. That was, it, it, It's really cool to see what, what might just be another goon in any other fantasy genre, um, which is Geralt. Uh, kind of to see how, how he ticks and how he works and how I feel like every episode somebody has to ask him like you don't have emotions right and he's just like you piece of shit why would you even ask me that question <laughs> he's like you know what? I don't want to get into this right now I don't have time or energy for your bullshit so he just doesn't even answer anymore <laughs> like past the first one's like oh it must be so easy for you to go through life without emotions I wish I could do that he's like motherfucking asshole yes <laughs> yes sir thank you <laughs> Uh, and he meets quite a cast of characters throughout this whole thing because we got J- Jaskier, the the bard, as we were talking about a little bit there. We're just like, you know, that's one thing where people play in the game. So I think you said, Ben, that Jaskier is Dandelion from the games, but that's a different name. Technically, it's a yeah, name so in the I, books. I was even bitching to Justin a bit about this. Like, this was my biggest complaint. Like, why aren't they doing Dandelion? And they had even said in early reviews, like, Dandelion won't be in this season. It was really throwing a lot of people because he is a big part of the early books. And they use pretty much all those stories with him. And I was like, and I kept going to Justin, this is clearly Dandelion. And then actually a friend educated me on this, that uh, Jaskier is his name in the original Polish, which technically translates closer to Buttercup in English. He just got changed to Dandelion in the English. So, honestly, it, it is Dandelion. They're just going with the traditional Polish that none of us had any goddamn idea about. So you were angry for yeah, nothing. No, and I actually, yeah, and I actually really like that dude, uh, Joey Batty, playing him. Because, I mean, obviously he's meant to be, like, he's the donkey to, to uh, Geralt Shrek, essentially, throughout this whole story. Just like, yeah. hey, we're going to do this kind of stuff. We're going to have fun. We're going to make jokes, ha, 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 kind of stuff. But he's... He's the right amount of levity for the rest of the story, I would say. Yeah. He also does a good job of helping be that timeline for the show sometimes. There's a, there's the really great uh, episode that we were, time, uh, we were talking about before the recording where he meets Yennefer, uh, which, which involves a gin. And there's just a great part where he's like, oh, Geralt, what has it been? A decade? Decade and a half? Well, how am I doing, you say? It's like, that's the perfect what Dandelion's supposed to be. He's just, he's the guy who kind of rolls into Geralt's life. They're still good friends, but he's the one who gives him a hard time. And for some reason, Geralt still puts up with it. Well, he puts up with it because because he wrote him a banger song that's basically just says, hey, pay me. (laughs) (laughs) Which I got to say, the music throughout this show is really, really good. Like, not just the instrumental music, which is very, like, folklore, Polish kind of stuff, but the songs themselves, I've been seeing people pass around that toss a coin to the Witcher song everywhere, and it's really catchy. It is a good song, actually. Yeah, but then oh, that is one slight complaint I have with the way the timelines are handled, because that's one thing that isn't apparently clear from the first episode. But as you go in, you realize, oh, wait, Geralt and Yennefer's stories happen much earlier than Ciri's story. It's just a big game of catch up. And you start to kind of get I, I balked a little bit when they establish how much time has passed from the first episode to the last episode. I'm like, well, that's how long it's been going on for. It doesn't feel like it, but that's also because 
Geralt and Yennefer don't age, so it's never quite clear how many yeah, years are passing. Yeah, but neither does the bar. He, he doesn't age either. That's what confused me, too, because he wasn't aging at all. They're like, oh, yeah, it's been 12 years since this thing. I'm like, it, it has? Yeah, they, they <laughs> lose a little bit for that, but, you know, they also never fully address that in the books to the point where, uh, like, I, I think they slightly touch on the timeline there, but not as much. Because, again, there's supposed to be a collection of stories and you want some comparison. Um, and I can definitely say in the books, I'm I'm looking forward to how much uh, Jaskier becomes a big part of, even a bigger part of The Witcher, like, they definitely still have a tumultuous relationship, as we see when they last part ways in the series. Um, but I, I, I'm interested to see how they try to continue to address that, because there has to be some aging, but there's going to be some action that's going to be going on that they can't exactly have him in old age makeup, and it makes sense either. He's just going to yeah. come back and he has a, like, a single mustache. <laughs> well, that's kind of what they did for uh, Dandelion when they aged him in the games, too. We're just like, oh, yeah, he just grew a mustache between this game and that game. So, yeah. um, Is it working for me, Geralt? <laughs> <laughs> one thing I do want to establish, though, I mean, you know, when we say that's not a Game of Thrones knockoff, I will say, though, the thing that this does have a comparison, this is a very adult fantasy because, oh, my goodness, this show is violent, like super oh, yeah. freaking violent at points. <laughs> and the amount of boobs... But, there's there, look, look, it's not super sexualized in the way they use boobs all the time, but there are plenty of boobs in the show. Oh, well, that's one thing which I kind of like. Where it's like, yes, there is a lot of like, you no, know, very hot ladies who get naked, but it's sometimes they're just there. They're not again. They're not being fantasized or fetishized. They're just there standing naked or naked in a scene, but it's not meant to be sexy. And I think that's cool. You know, like it's not it doesn't have to be totally titillating the entire time. Yeah, there's bits with Yennefer yeah. where it's like she's naked because she knows she has power with using her body, and she's just, or she just doesn't give a shit about people seeing her body because she knows she can kill them. So it's like okay, that that's more just a power yeah. move than a sexual move. And for the people who are wondering, like, oh, is it just the ladies? Geralt does get naked too. So for you ladies out there who want to see Henry Cavill's very toned body, then there you go. Because <laughs> oh my goodness, with lots and lots of scar makeup. He oh, is in a bathtub at least four times in this series. <laughs> as a straight, even yeah, as a straight which, man, I'm like, I'm okay with this. This is fine. Which, you know, it's funny, too, because when I think about with uh, Geralt's character and that stuff, because I know in the books they're establishing that Geralt's supposed to be a little bit more wiry, a little bit older, a little bit skinnier kind of thing. But Henry Cavill apparently put on even more muscle mass than he did for Superman for this role. And you can tell because that dude is built like a house in this, not, in this I don't think show. it's – the thing is it's not a toned he, he muscle. Knows what, he, he knows what his moneymaker is. But yeah, I mean, that's what I think. It's not a toned muscle in this case. Like it wasn't Superman or even I would say Mission Impossible. It's muscle mass, but it's almost like, like – I won't say like dad bod muscle, but it's like it's, it's a healthy – like he's got a heavy ear physicality, but he's not uh, – he's not like – you know, ripped or shredded feeling. He's like, no, that guy's super fit, but it's not like, oh, he's shredded. Um, well, I mean, if, you saw, if you saw those photos that he took with some fans recently where he was flexing his muscles, like, his biceps are bigger than almost anybody else's heads at this point. Like, he is like, <laughs> he, he, he's like a Hulk in this show. And the dude's much. commitment shows. I mean, even in that first episode with us saying it's weaker, like, when you get to the last 15 minutes where you first see the Witcher in a f real sword fight, you're like, oh, shit, he knows what he's doing with choreography. Oh, that's what I love about this is that Cavill did almost all of his stunts in this show, which is that's a commitment. And honestly, anything I say that's some minor nitpicks with this show, Henry Cavill is by far one of the best parts of this. Like he, that dude is committed. He gets the voice down just like it is in the video game. And he's honestly like he gets this character. And I like and that's really, really great. Oh, yeah. His fight scenes are pretty awesome. 
and oh, like yeah. it almost it, it in some ways it feels like a video game but in a really good way like in ways that yeah, i haven't seen like, before it feels like a collection of short stories like every episode even though it's linked by a couple details they're almost all self-contained in some capacity and they work really well as just standalone stories of Geralt finds a monster and goes kill it. exactly you know, and that, well, I, I will say yeah definitely uh, just when you're asking about the book earlier i would definitely say if you like that then read the book but i will say uh, as far as how cavill gets the character so many people complained about him in the trailers to the point that it pissed me off. Like, yeah, he's just doing a monotone. I'm like, did, did you play the game? Did, did you read the book? Geralt, they think he has no emotion because he has a very gravelly monotone that he basically has ingrained in him. But if you actually listen to what Geralt says and how he acts, he is a sarcastic asshole. He is more than happy to, you know, joke with people and mess with them. And sometimes they don't get it because of his tone. That's why Jaskier is so <laughs> good, because Jaskier understands that Geralt actually has a sense of humor and messes with him on it, even if he doesn't always believe he's messing with him or not. Yeah, no, that's the thing that I, I think Cavill works really well in this show as an actor. Because, I mean, I know we complained about Superman where he was, like, being underserved by the script and seemed like he wasn't sure how to play the character. But here, they really play upon his strengths as being a stoic, confident, straight guy in this. Uh, but honestly, like, even more than Henry Cavill, I got to say the biggest discovery in this whole show is Anya Chalotra as Yennefer of Benenberg. Because she is really, really, really good in this show. She, she makes a hunchback look good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you do get a uh, sexy scene with her in her hunchback form before she becomes the Yennefer from the story. Is kind of Which thing, is kind of like, awesome. Oh, um, yeah. I, I preferred the first form a little bit. I don't know I don't know what that says about <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I don't know what that says about me, but it's like I've never seen this before and I'm kinda into and it. And the thing is, you know, in the book I don't even think in the book we get this much of Yennefer's backstory. We hear about it but we don't actually see it. So I'm part, I'm happy that they actually helped you know, they said, let's commit to giving this character's, you know, history more of a life in the story itself. And I think it works. And I will say, like, she's a gorgeous woman. And she's honestly not exactly as I would picture Yennefer, because I do picture a bit from the game. And that's kind of for the best of the show, though, where it's like they redefine some characters visually like that. Like, she really is a bit different. Uh, they make Siri a bit older than she would have been in the stories and the books. Um, uh, they definitely change up Triss, because uh, even in the books, Triss is definitely more of a fiery red hair. Here, it's more of kind of a, a dark... Uh, darker red hair, if anything. Uh, you mean how she looks like maybe from Arrested Development for the most of the story? <laughs> yes, there's a bit of that. <laughs> you know, and that's why I gotta say that I think that, you know, uh, Anya and uh, Henry are the best parts of the story. I'm a little back and forth on the supporting cast here, because, you know, even when you say, um, what's her name, Mayana uh, burying as... To, no, 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 sorry, that's uh, Tessia, which is fine, but um, who's the girl who played Triss? Oh, um, Anna Schaefer, where I'm like, she's fine, but we get so little of her in the show that we can't really, I can't really judge her performance very well. She's just, yeah. she's kind of there for the most I part. I mean, Triss is know? a bigger part in, uh, especially in the games, because of Witcher 2 is pretty much all Triss, um, and then Witcher 3. So it's, it's, she's big in the books, don't get me wrong, but definitely in these earlier stories, I don't, uh, the story that she shows up in here, the first one uh, being, I believe, it's the one with the, um, it's uh, episode three. Yeah. Three? Yeah. That one, she... Yeah, yeah, that's the one where she hires uh, Geralt to uh, uh, fight the Striga. So that one, actually, she's not in that in the original story. So they did add her in some more because she is an important character. And I think... I forget what other story she shows up in early on, but they, I think they didn't use that one, so that's why they kind of transposed her to there, and it works. Um, I can definitely say for fans of the books, there are clear changes. 
I didn't have problems with them uh, as far as what they changed with these stories. I feel like they work better for the overall narrative of the show. And I think they make sense. Some of them, I think, yes, I like some of the things from the book a little bit better. But you've got to distance yourself from that sometimes because they, they're they not doing a religious adaptation of it. They're doing a, you know, a, a very clear adaptation but more in the spirit. Yeah, it feels like most of the changes they made in this are stuff that they did to expound upon the book. Like, just from my, my study, it seems like a lot of the changes they made were stuff, like you said, with giving Yennefer more backstory, showing some of Geralt's backstory, um, showcasing certain events that actually weren't described in the book. Like, that big battle in the last um, the last episode, from what I can gather, that actually was never shown in the book. So that was just something that Geralt saw the aftermath of, right? Yeah, there's a, it, it's a very important thing because it's kind of that clear through line um, from the early stories to the rest of the books, the actual narrative of the Witcher books. Um, and uh, they they highlight on it. They have some flashbacks. They have Yennefer and Triss talk about it because it's definitely an impactful thing on the characters uh, after this point in their lives. But that changed a lot. We also get a lot more of series backstory here, which I, I know uh, definitely we all kind of felt, or at least uh, I know Justin has expressed it a lot to me that he felt is one of the weaker parts of this season. I think the actress is fine. She doesn't get a lot to do in this season, but... And also it's like, that's because she's a shell-shocked, like, 12-year-old, more or less. It's kind of hard <laughs> to give a, that person a lot to do without it being like, yeah, but why would she be that active or motivated at this moment? Well, but that's she's very much I, the Bran Stark of the series right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Not that. But th that's the thing. I feel like it's kind of back and forth in how they characterize her because they kind of hinted her being this, like, kind of – not exactly sassy, but like an adventurous kind of young girl where she goes out to play with the peasant kids and like doing dice games and that stuff. But then she's like on the run for a big chunk of it where she's totally afraid and not able to defend herself. But then sometimes she can fight. It just it felt like they weren't exactly sure how to characterize her for a big chunk of it. It wasn't that she was awful, awful, but it was anytime they showed Siri, I felt was like maybe the lesser interesting stuff compared to what Geralt and Yennefer and everyone else was sure, doing. Sure, and I think part of that is, as I said, is you don't get a lot of this time period with Siri in the books. You get actually one point where Geralt meets Siri early on. That's kind of um, the the episode we had with her in Brokulon in the, in the Forest of the Dryads. That scene kind of happens with Geralt before the sacking of uh, Sintra in the uh, book, in the uh, series, and it's but it's not really important in that. It's just kind of to show that these characters, you're, you know, get along and relate in the books. So, but I feel like that episode was also really great because it showed that Siri can defend herself to an extent. She can be active, but also shows a really good amount of the amount of trauma she's being put through here because, like, what happens in that episode is really fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, but I did, I mean, I liked a lot of that stuff. The person I liked the most in her story was that uh, sidekick character that joins her later on, Dara. Oh, yeah, uh, I, good. I really like that person a lot, like, uh, throughout the story. Because they're not, they're not from the book, right? I don't believe so, uh, or at least they didn't really stick with me. Yeah. No, which, actually, that's one thing I wanted to point out, too, is that the way the show handles diversity, like, I mean... It actually works really, really well where they integrate. Oh, there's a lot of black characters in this. There's um, they, all the dwarves are little people. I guess what, what's the proper terminology for that? Little people you know, or something like that. But the, the dwarves, it's, it's little people. Yeah. So they include a lot of variety in the show. and It's very organic. Like they never emphasize it uh, kind of thing. Where it's like, no, just they're part of the universe. And it works really, really well. Like I think it's actually better represented for black characters than any of Game of Thrones for the most part. I would say so. It's kind of like they were like, oh, shit, wait a minute. I think I cracked it. This is a 
This is a fantasy novel. Oh. Uh, none of this is true. Yeah, I none of this is true. I, saying, I don't know if you guys true. remember this when they were doing the early casting. Like the uh, the uh, director or creator here, um, Lauren uh, Schmidt Hirsch, had said. I'd be open to and very interested to see some, you know, black people to come in to play Siri. And people are like, what? No, Siri's got white hair. It's like, black people can have white hair. No, this is wrong. It's a Polish fantasy novel. There would not be a black person playing Siri. It's like, so you're saying in this country that doesn't exist, there couldn't be black people. Okay, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that they cho- chose to stuck with her as a white character, but one character I actually really liked quite a bit was uh, Frangilla, the, uh, where they made her they, they made her a black woman in this one. It's that she's actually quite a cool kind of pseudo main bad guy for the most of the story. She is menacing as hell, actually, in this series, because she's oh, just yeah. like super intense after a point. It's like, oh, OK. Uh Yeah, like she's all in on the evil. Um, and, you know, again, like there's some back and forth with like, you know, they got... The only other recognizable actor I can tell from this, uh, well, there's a couple. There's Lars Mikkelsen, who plays Stregobor, the wizard, which it's funny because that dude only plays smarmy bad dudes for the most part because he was the bad guy in Sherlock. He's oh, Thrawn yeah. from Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> yeah, so you're just like, oh, yeah, that dude just, you know, he's, he's Mads Mikkelsen's brother. He will always play bad guys just like Mads does for the most part. And I also recognized, <laughs> um, what's his name, who played uh, Mausak. Uh, where is it? Uh, oh, right. Uh, Mausak was played by Adam Levy. Yes, yes. I recognize him as well. And uh, he's another really great character in this show. I think uh, the few times he gets used, you're like, I really like that guy. Uh, the one that I the one I will say, and I won't spoil it too much for going forward because it's not in the season. And Justin, you're still going to read the books, is uh, Kair, uh, the main Nilfgaardian soldier after Siri. Oh, yeah, the one played by um, Eamon Farron, which, for people who don't know, he's um, uh, one of the characters from the Twin Peaks revival. Right. Uh, in that one. So I think yeah. he's a fine actor. I feel like they changed some things with his appearance that, uh, as far as, like, his armor that I didn't like. Because, like, there's the point that series, like, a guy with a large bird on his head is coming after him. Like, you see his costume, but there's not that. And that's, like, a direct description of him from the book. And I'm like, that... Well, because he had that weird thing in the beginning in the first episode, but he never wears it at any point. Well, and it's supposed to be that because what you see in the books is Siri describes that scene. You get that scene described in full where he comes after her and she's like terrified. And that's the that's the PTSD she has is from that. And I don't think in that scene it looked like that. But my other issue is, again, I won't spoil anything for later on because it seems like they're going to keep very close to it. But Kair becomes very important to the story in different ways than you might expect. And I feel like showing so much more of series backstory with him makes it harder to explain where he is later on because, you know, you see him in a very dark light, you know, negative light and very harsh throughout this whole series. And, he, you know, it's harder to broaden this character in the ways he needs to later on, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll be interested to see if they can pull it off. I think the big thing is that they realized that there wasn't a main, like, direct threat in the series storyline, because mostly she's just wandering, so they needed someone of an, like, something of an instigator to move them forward, and so they decided to pick him instead of Frangilla as the main, you know, chasing bad guy in that story. They're not wrong in that way, I can say, from uh, memory of the books, but it's also just, I I think they're gonna, they're digging themselves a bit of a hole as well with that in some of the ways they used him. Well, we'll see. Um, and there's some other cameos, too. Like, uh, Jodie May plays Queen Calanthe, the uh, grandmother of Siri, And I knew I recognized her. She's from Last of the Mohicans way back in the day, too. Which, yeah, yeah. It's funny because the what happens to her character in that first episode is exactly what happens to her character in that <laughs> movie, too. So I'm like, is it her fate to just fall <laughs> off of stuff? <laughs> I mean... You mean um, when she pulls a Tommen? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I said, too, when it happened. <laughs> 
I will say, uh, but I gotta say, Foltest played oh, by, by uh, Sean Dooley was pretty good too. Yeah, no, that was fine too. Like, I mean, again, most of the, ca- the ensemble cast is fine. I would say that the highlights are Henry Cavill and Anya Chalotra, but the rest of the cast have their moments. And you know, even Joey Batty as Jaskier, anytime he shows up, he's usually a welcome presence kind of thing. Oh, so. for sure. Um, but I will say one thing I really, really liked in this is. All, like we kind of hinted at before, all of the action scenes and all the monster hunting scenes are largely really done very well. Like only that opening scene with the Kikimura or whatever that he fought in the very first scene of the episode of the series was kind of okay, not the best. But I all feel the like some of the lighting, lighting on, yeah, it was like you could see it's like ah, uh, if you look close enough, you're like this isn't exactly right. And it was just kind of a a slow fight scene, but in the last episode, like because there's not a lot of monsters that he necessarily fights in this one. The second half of the season is surprisingly not monster based as far as his conflict which I think is more about the series and the books as well, is more accurate to that. But uh, there's, um, uh, what were they, the corpse-eating monsters that show up in uh, the last episode? Uh, I still don't think oh, they were right, amazing yeah. looking, but they were definitely a uh, good-looking monster overall in a, dark, you know, in a dark setting. It worked well enough. I would like, you know, if they're putting more monsters into season two, I do hope that they get a higher budget for that because it's clear they decided after the first episode, we're using this to build our world and make our world look beautiful, and we'll add some monsters when we need to. Yeah, because that's actually my only other major complaint is that it's not as well produced as some other shows. Like, it's not, like, ugly looking, but it's, someone said that, like, it's kind of somewhere between an HBO show and a sci-fi show. It's kind of like, it's, it's, it's almost like a BBC show, the way it looks, where it's, like, it's got a decent production value, <laughs> but it's not going to be anything you're wowed at by, you know. By I can agree with that. You know what? I think that's the sweet spot, actually, though. I think that's the point where you're able to do a lot of things and a, a lot of various things, I mean, with a, with a, with a reasonable budget and it looks reasonably good. And yeah, maybe maybe you don't got to throw money at it all the time. Yeah, because actually some of the monster designs they did in here were really cool. Like, honestly, for me, the high point of this whole season was that battle with the monster in the season three. Because that was, one, adapted in the in the video game as well. It's that opening cutscene for Witcher 1. But the way they do it yeah. here, I would argue, is even better. It's just so tense and scary and well shot. It's it's there, kind of amazing. There's that the great scene where he um, where he's trying to lock it in the room with him and he turns around and he can't find it. And like they do a good job with, you know, it's an old camera trick, but it's also such a dark scene that even still you have to look for it hard. It's like, OK, that looks good from there. That's a great job. Oh, yeah. It was the first time I noticed his armor because it would shine like every every once in a while when the light hits it directly. Yeah. And I do like they built up the lore a little bit with like the monsters of Silver without directly telling you Silver kills monsters. Like he's got his silver sword and there's the point in the first episode uh, where uh, he's asked, you know, oh, you're going to bring out your by Renfrey. Are you going to bring out your silver sword for me? That's for monsters. And then later on, Silver comes up in a few other scenes for other characters where they realize, oh, it's silver. It's a monster and it works. And it's like, good. It's layered in the world, but it's not explicitly stated every time. Yeah, though I will say that that's a little bit. Sorry, I have some nitpicks that are all throughout it. But <laughs> the first episode, well, the first few episodes did have some of that problem where some of the lore stuff was a little force-fed and ham-fisted, where they had to cram a lot of details to tell you what is Sintra, what is Nilfgaard, how do they relate to Skilliga, how do they relate to this kind of thing. And you know, my wife, who's never played the games or read the books, she was kind of just going like, "Who's where and what's what?" But <laughs> after a while, you start getting used to it. So. 
Oh, fair enough. Uh, I can say I think eight episodes is a perfect sweet spot for this first season. It's yes. really not too long. You know, they're definitely an hour long minimum. Some are a little over an hour episodes. Yeah, the episodes can be a little long, but the season length is about the right. And again, with the performances being that good and the visual effects being, you know, well used for world building where things just kind of work. Overall, I think it's a really good, solid package. And we discussed this earlier. Uh, you know, we're not going to shit on other critics, but there's a lot of other critics who are shitting on this show for what feels like an incomplete view of it. I think it really comes together for a great season after epi- at least ap- after episode three, where it really hits its stride. <laughs> yeah, no, after episode three, when it really has those high points, everything else afterwards is about that consistent equality. So. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, guys, wait a minute. Are we saying this is a well-produced video game show? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess technically if you want to count that the books came first and it's adapted Man, from the book, it's this not takes a video some, game. I, I've only seen Let's Plays of the, of the video game, but this takes a lot of inspirations, not just the fighting, how it happens, but this like just how Henry Campbell looks and how his tone works. There's a lot of inspirations from the video game, sure. which I know are from the books, well, the, but still, true, you're right. The games did prove it works, because uh, going back to the story we were telling earlier about uh, how Sapkowski was very negative against the game was because... They did try to make a show of this before in Poland, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. And it was god awful, evidently, where everybody hated it. And he's like, no, nobody cares about my stories. You know, this show ruined it. You can't adapt it. It can't be adapted to anything except for written text. And uh, the game's kind of proved that it works. And I can't blame the show for borrowing some of what works from the game to make the show work. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is there any other major points to bring up? Because otherwise we can start winding down to final thoughts. Uh, Doggett, anything in particular you wanted to bring up? or? Well, just one quick thing. Well, I have a few things, but one quick thing. Okay, for everybody here, what did you all prefer, The Witcher or Castlevania? Which one do you think, is a, which one do you, think you enjoyed more? I was always a Witcher guy. Uh, they're very different. They're, I'm aware they're I, I different, but, they, but there's something there. Come on, there's something that's similar there. I, again, I don't feel like that's fair to compare, because this one's going for a much more, like, grounded, much more, like, straightforward kind of thing, where Castlevania is just, you know, crazy anime-influenced style kind of stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> even though the vines in that is, like, mind-numbing at points. This one is it's super gory and that such, but it's not it's not trying to shock you, per se. I'm just saying Netflix is two for two on video game adaptions. I mean, that's true. They, they do know what to pick. They pick the ones with style and, uh, you know, with a semi-easy-to-digest world. I mean, say what you will about Castlevania. At least that that's based off Dracula and then a very well-adapted, you know, video game series to the point that it's easy to get into. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. What's it Yes, yes, very much indeed, guys. Uh, very, very good show. I enjoy the show. I, I, I haven't talked a lot because I, I want to let Ben and Justin finish jerking each other off on this all over the show. <laughs> Look, I've only I'll take this. I'll take the sloppy seconds. It's Look, fine. I've only had to clean my laptop twice this whole time. <laughs> well, the, the, now, <laughs> dog, you can, work, you can work yourself up now, dog. Come on, you know, get, get, get about half ass and start talking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, sorry. I, I'm good. I, I think I think we've all said what we have to say about the show. It's it's really good. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's actually a pretty solid show. I mean, I wouldn't say this is going to... I mean, you know, we're starting to make our top tens for various things at the end of the year. I don't know if this will make my top ten, because I've seen a lot of good shows this year. But it's definitely a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, Doug, why don't you lead us off with your final thoughts then? Uh, what do you think? Well, guys, I got to say... Uh, Netflix uh, knocks it out of the park again. 
this is a this is a great show. Henry Cavill, it's amazing. Should should uh, what what next uh, Justice League uh, former star should Netflix uh, help next? Uh, Ezra <laughs> Miller, Ben Affleck, the guy who played Cyborg. Who, I was who? gonna say the guy who played Cyborg because he got nothing <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Did anyone? I'm just saying this. <laughs> Wonder Woman and the and Jason Momoa got a lot out of that movie. Yeah. Well, Jason Momoa is on Apple right now, so he's got something. Yeah, failing on Apple. <laughs> but yes, this this is a very good dark fantasy. Great, great uh, choreography for the fights. Henry, Henry Cavill, Jesus Christ. He could beat the shit out of Finn Jones, I could tell you that much. <laughs> Anyone could beat the crap out of Finn Jones. Come on. <laughs> hey, he took two weeks of karate. Don't mess with that dude. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, for this show, my God, you guys, if if you have even the slightest interest in this kind of genre, have at it. Have a good time. There's eight episodes. Yes, they are long episodes, but I, I, I didn't have a problem with this. I marathon right through this show. This is a good time. I, I'm going to rewatch this during October. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to I'm going to have to give this show. Hmm. Hmm. Eight out of ten Henry Cavill showering. <laughs> yeah, lots of loving close up of his body. Um, I'll go next so I can let Ben finish off this sure. one. Um, I, I really did enjoy this. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I started to enjoy it more, though, once I got past that first episode. Because that first one was just a little bit weaker, where it's like, yeah, the Geralt story is really great, but the series story just, it felt like... I don't know, outside of the incredibly nasty violence that happens during those battle sequences, because my goodness, they eviscerate people, they pull out intestines, they chop off heads. It was just kind of a bit of a slog with exposition and some weird emotional pacing that happened throughout it. But, and I also say that I felt that while the ending battle was kind of cool, it wasn't nearly as impressive as some of the one-on-one fights that were happened earlier on in yeah. the show, I would say. Yeah, but on the whole, this is still fun. It's 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 B level fantasy in the sense that it's very well produced in a limited budget way and it's entertaining. But it's definitely not like oh, this is A plus material per se. It's it's just very enjoyable. So yeah, no, I would definitely say for anyone watching this, get past that first episode, and when you start to hit that stride, you'll know kind of thing with this show. And it's just a fun ride all the way through. So I'm gonna give this. Uh, Eight out of ten ways that incest gets into fantasy stories once again. Because, <laughs> jeez Louise, is that going to be a th- again? Maybe it is a Game of Thrones knockoff because we have another incestuous brother sister plot going on here. Well, I mean, yes, but let's just say that one's ended very quickly. Uh, yes, but, uh, <laughs> it does not go on for much longer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I, I I don't see a problem here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I take that back, I take that back uh, No, it's there, it's on the recording they, they, did not, they didn't push Siri out a window though, so it didn't feel right Yeah <laughs> I know, I couldn't finish because of that Nobody gave a, no, no one gave a James Bond one-liner before they did it either Just like, the things oh, okay. I do for love <laughs> Alright, I'll get into my final thoughts, I guess uh, It's yeah, I I can't lie that I am a really big fan of the series, uh, books and games. Are you? Just a little bit. Yeah, no. Just a smidge. It's just, I, I've told Justin this earlier as well, is uh, I'm not a big fan of fantasy. I'm a hard sell on fantasy. Like, I appreciate the Lord of the Rings movies. I can't read Tolkien. I just don't give a shit. It's too layered. It's like it's like war and peace of fantasy in, you know, you play about the world building here and the, you know, on the type of, the, you know, the political intrigue. And I was just like, 
the Lord of the Rings does that so heavy-handedly where you have to know about the five kingdoms of men or whatever the fuck and go through it. It's like, I can't. I don't have time for this. I don't care enough. Uh, this Witcher series has never really done that for me. Like, there's kingdoms to worry about, but it never felt like it was, you know, trying to try and do hard for that. Now, the other thing I like about Witcher, which they don't fully get into this, is the stuff with the mutation, is there's a lot of, like, semi-science mixed in with the magic where magic isn't just you know, magic, you can have magic or different abilities because of a mutation because you were given potions, which basically chemical mixtures and surgeries. And I'm like, that's actually kind of cool that they do that. And there's also some weird layering in the books and a little bit in the games where it's like, this could be a alternate version of our history. And then just there's crossing over points where we didn't get magic exactly the same way or whatever. So yeah, it's a really cool world and there's so many great monsters. There's some stories that literally are directly referencing classic grim fairy tales where they're just retold as grisly as they should actually be, which mind you, grim fairy tales in the classic German is pretty fucked up. They, but this takes it more oh, yeah. grisly somehow. Uh, but I think the show captures all of that's energy. Like, the first episode has its issues, but as we said, but the Geralt story is the main one that works, and that's one of the most important Geralt stories because it shows both who, what a Witcher is, why Geralt fucks being a Witcher up sometimes because he's not just purely a killing machine, but then also, like, you know, deepens the world, like, the hate of the Witcher and kind of explains that better. Like, this series, I think, really nails that. It really nails the books. Any little changes, like, I can understand why they made them. So even as a fanboy, I'm not even mad at it. Uh, I could definitely say I, I could see where you're coming from, Justin, saying it may not be in your top ten. I admittedly did not watch as much TV this year, but... Uh, you know, I was hoping this before me. I actually asked Justin like two months ago when it was not even scheduled exactly when this show was showing <laughs> up. It's like, just put me on the list. I need to be on the show. Just I watched the first trailers like I need this. And as a fan, it kind of did everything I wanted from it. And I can't wait to see another season. I hope to God they don't just go, eh, these were critics didn't like it. We're going to drop it because it's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of promise here, especially now that we get past the slow part with Siri that I think is going to be really great. And I really hope all fans of either the book or the games like it as much as I did because I'm I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. It's it's one of my must sees of this year for if you're any fan of fantasy and especially of the games. Nice. Uh, nine out of ten what's oh style? shit. Uh nine out of ten overly graphic taking out of a uterus. <laughs> that was brutal to watch that sequence. Like three times uh, you see I, it too. Oh yeah. I gotta say too I gotta give it a point for the fact that Sonic the Hedgehog cameoed in one episode. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> but he didn't collect any coins afterwards. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're done with the review. So let's uh, put a toss around the hat and collect a coin for your critic. <laughs> oh, Valley of Plenty. <laughs> Send a payment to your PayPal, low valley of plenty. 